speaking to us. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can come here to worship you this morning. We have uh, worshipped in our physical being by uh, denying the self and getting out of bed and coming over here to... uh, to spend some time focusing on you. And we have worshiped in song. We have lifted up uh, an anthem of praise. We We have said to you, you are our God. You are sufficient. We look to you. We will trust in you. And now we've given. We're ready, Lord, to hear your word for you to speak to us. And so we pray that as we as we meet now and as we hear the word that that we would lower our natural defenses and hear what it is that you're saying through the word and that we would say yes these words are good and true and ought to be applied to our lives father i pray each and every one of us as we hear and as we consider who we are, where we are, where we believe that, that you, are, you are taking us as individuals and as a church family, we pray that, that we would be diligent and faithful to apply the word to ourselves. To not resist the spirit who speaks to us. To embrace the way of life that you have called us to. To walk in the goodness of your will. For your glory and our joy, we pray. Amen. Uh, Glasses are an amazing idea. Uh, If if you struggle in this area, you know what I mean, because you you might be one of those like 50 percenters who who need your glasses part of the time, or you might be a 100 percenter, right? You know, if you don't have your glasses, you are are effectively blind on, on, on some level. Uh, it's, it's an amazing thing. I, I, I've interrogated the eye doctor before. You know, what are you doing when you're flipping all those lenses and things? Not quite sure what this arcane contraption in front of me is designed to accomplish. Uh, they understand it, which is good, because, because when, I, when I get a new set of glasses and I, I put them on, it's like, it's, it's a whole new world. You know, I want to break out in a Disney song and um, just, you know, uh, delight. My wife has a habit of taking my glasses off my face, not out of cruelty, but because because my own habit is to to just let dust accumulate on them. And so she will run them under hot water and give them back to me. And I'm like, I'm like, who is this child? You know, that's your son. How did he get so tall? You know, you you suddenly see things. So I'm trying to figure out if it's ironic that uh, prepping to, to preach on this on this passage this morning. Last night, uh, when I went upstairs, I conveniently hid my glasses on myself and then forgot where I put them. At uh, at 8:55 and 8:57, I was still in my house looking for my glasses. Um, 
I am I am a hundred percenter. I'm effectively blind. So uh, there was lots of honking and um, nervousness, I think, from other drivers on the road as I was attempting to navigate here. I, I saw a sign on the way down the road. I'm not quite sure what, what donut letter means. Did anybody see that sign out in front of the house? This is a joke, folks. No, I found my glasses, and, um, and, and it was like, I think that's ironic that I'm, I'm planning on, on teaching on this, on this topic this morning. Uh, we're not quite sure, though. We have, an, we have an irony expert who's not yet weighed in. He's still, still considering. Glasses are corrective lenses, which which compensate or address the, the defects in the eye that, that prevent one with bad eyesight from seeing clearly. As Christians, we are to hear and respond to the words of Jesus when he tells us that the eye is the lamp of the body. Uh, the eye is essential to the function of the body in the sense that it's the primary uh, input unit, it's the primary uh, means by which we use to navigate the world, right? It is, it, it, it's something that we don't necessarily think about. You don't think about your eyes until something gets in them, right? Or, or until you attempt to wake up in the morning and they're glued shut by crud, right? You know, we, we, we suddenly become aware. But, but if, if we are unable to use our eyes, just, just plunge the house into darkness. Have you ever stood there and like, flip the switch over and over again in a power failure, hoping, thinking, just reflexively, like, oh, I'll turn the light on. And you're like, oh, it, it's not going on. The, the eye enables us to navigate life. Now, Jesus is, is, is speaking here, and he says the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If, if your eye is good, then you will navigate the world properly. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? It's interesting uh, in reading what scholars have to say about this passage that, that there's kind of a mystery of what Jesus is saying here. Is he, is he speaking in, in some kind of analogy, uh, speaking of the whole of life, or is he, is he speaking about a specific subject? Um, and we'll, we'll get into a little bit later if he's talking about uh, being generous versus being stingy. Some scholars believe that because what he goes to later on is, is the idea that you cannot serve two masters, God and, and money. And we'll, we'll talk about why a stingy might be an option. It's interesting that medieval Bible scholars thought that this meant that, that your organs, in order to function well, needed light, right? That, that light needed to come in through the eye and that light was somehow used like food to, to make the organs work properly. Now, don't take that and be like, that's the spiritual true meaning of this and, and run with it because there's no scientific evidence to support that at all. Um, but, but a better interpretation that, that has been with the church for a long time is that what Jesus is doing here is setting up an analogy. Through, through the eye, the body finds its way. That, that the eye and the heart in the Bible are closely linked. And that, that the eye is like the heart, that the heart helps us to find our way. 
This is good Old Testament theology. If you look around in the Old Testament, just one example, Psalm 119, verse 10 says, With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. If you look just a couple verses down at verse 18 there, the psalmist says, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I seek you with my heart. Open my eyes that I may see your law. Verse 148 of Psalm 119, My eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promise. And then here's a, here's a verse that draws uh, the two images together. We've got the eyes and, and the heart. Psalm 119, verse 36 and 37 say, Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. The eyes, the heart, determine the overall health of the person. So we have here two paths. Healthy eyes that fill the whole body with light or bad eyes that fill the body full of darkness. Jesus says this ought to be chilling to us. If then the light in you is darkness. How great is the darkness. The possibility there being that, that, that one with bad eyes thinks that they can see, much like me sitting at the kitchen table, hammering away on my laptop, and, and my wife catches a vision of my glasses and says, there is far too much crud there. We must wash them off. I think I can see great, but she knows like everyone is at risk if he is driving with that much crud on his glasses, right? Proverbs 21.4 says, Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked are sin. The eyes and the heart, they are connected with the idea of the lamp. So, let's acknowledge what the scriptures say about us as human beings, that we are all in need of corrective lenses. We all have difficulty seeing, but for various reasons, just like there are various diseases of the eye and therefore various ways of, of repairing the eye, addressing the needs of the eye, there are, there are various responses to the gospel. But, but we are called to hear the words of Jesus and to understand what he's saying and to pay attention to how we see. Because if we see with bad eyes, we live our lives in darkness. If we see with good eyes, we live a life full of light. The eye that is bad, the word for, for bad uh, in other passages shows up as um, the word evil. Romans 12, 9, let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Proverbs 28, 22 says this, a a stingy man, the word there again, bad, stingy, a, a stingy man hastens after wealth and does not know that poverty will come upon him. 
Proverbs 23, verse 6, do not eat the bread of a man who is or who has an evil eye. Uh, some, most translations render this something along the lines of do not eat the bread of a man who is stingy. Do not desire his delicacies, right? If a, if a stingy, mean person shares something with you, you can know that, that, that they've probably not turned over a new leaf. They probably want something, right? What does this person want from me? It's not, it's not worth it. And so we're, we're to, to look at the world not with, with bad eyes, but with good eyes. And we're to adjust our sight and to, to do what we need to do to compensate for what's wrong with how we see. Where do we learn how to adjust our sight? We adjust our vision by coming to the Lord, by asking him to help and to change us. We come to God. We come to him and to his word. Psalm 119 again, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And lest we be accused of, of being word-focused, and I don't think there's a real conflict here, and not God-focused, Psalm 1828, the psalmist speaking to God says, it is you who light my lamp. The Lord, my God, lightens my darkness. So what I'd like to do is to take a few moments and to look at um, just a few, maybe five, visual impairments. And uh, perhaps as I, I discuss this, some of these will, will hit close to the mark and you'll say, oh, that's me. My, my encouragement to you is, is, is not to be offended, right? You know, when we're kids, and you're wearing glasses, someone will say to you, four eyes, you know, and you suddenly feel ashamed, you know? It's like, hey, I've got, I've got these glasses on. This is, this is my life. This helps me effectively function, right? I'm proud of the fact that I can see, and I'm not, like, bumping into stuff. Away with your insults. Be gone, childhood mockers, right? So, so don't, don't feel the shame of like, I am visually impaired or spiritually impaired. Say, what would the Lord have me do? And, and I believe that, that we are all in this room smart enough, intelligent enough, reactive enough to say, the Spirit is speaking to me and the problem is that I resist and rebel. So the encouragement then is to step forward in faith and to ask the Lord to help you. So, as many visual impairments as, as time will allow that we will get through. Uh, the first is blindness. Blindness. Uh, Wikipedia defines blindness as, right, you know, you can't just make up your own definitions. You have to go to the, to the cultural consensus. And that uh, is Wikipedia, which used to just be uh, a giant pool of ignorance, but now is like the ultimate quotable source. It's actually pretty good in the last... It's improved quite a bit in the last 15 years or so. The term blindness is used for complete or nearly complete vision loss. Spiritually speaking, this is, this is the outer limit of, of bad vision, where we have absolutely no vision of God at all. No, no vision of what our purpose is. No vision of, of what it is that, that completes us. No, no understanding of who we are and, and where we are and when we live and who God is. Jesus 
is speaking to a group of, of, of people who are making his life difficult. They are, they are objecting and opposing to everything that, that he has said. And, and he's, just, he's done a good work. He's, he's come across a man who's been born blind. And, and he, he put some mud on this man's face and told him to go and wash in a particular uh, pool. And the man came back and he could see. And then these people are, are, are picking on him for, for healing this man. This is what Jesus says to them. Verse 39 of John chapter 9. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things. Man, they get the message. They know exactly what he is saying. They say, Are we also blind? The, the man who had been born blind was healed and knows he testifies to the fact that, that never in, in all of Jewish history had it been heard that someone could heal a man who'd been born blind. And he then confesses, you must be the son of God. You must be the Messiah. You must be the one that we're waiting for. And the Pharisees say, that's blasphemy. And they, they begin to condemn this man. They're going to kick him out of the synagogue. His parents are ashamed and afraid of what might happen to them. And, and so Jesus says, for judgment I came into the world. I'm separating people into two different groups. Those who can see and those who can't see. Those who acknowledge their need of, of healing from God to, to deal with their, with their sinfulness and their separation from him. And those who say, I'm just fine on my own. The Pharisees hear what Jesus is saying and they say to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. If they, if they realized that they were spiritually walking in darkness and that they needed some help, they could come to him and say, help us too. But no. He says, but now that you say we see, your guilt remains. They say, I'm fine. I got no problems. If you could have seen me this morning kind of bumping around my house, like I'm like opening drawers and looking everywhere, because I do this to myself. I conveniently hide stuff on myself when I'm not, I'm not thinking. I'm thinking, it's time to go to bed. And I put my glasses down, and they vanish, because I put them in a foolish place. I put them on my backpack, which was on the bed, Right? And so I put them on the backpack, and then I picked up the backpack, and they slid in there, and then I put the backpack on the floor. Now they go on the nightstand all the time. What's wrong with you, right? <laughs> now, if, if I could have confessed my need and received help, I would have been like, all of the Meyer family, come and help me and tear everything open and look, right? I'm, I'm, I'm completely incapacitated by the fact that I can't see. If we spiritually come to God and say, I have my sins on me and I cannot deal with them myself. I need you to remove them from me. I, I don't know what the, the next move is. I don't know how to heal myself. I don't know how to help, help myself. God says, I'm in the business of giving sight. Receive your sight. But if we say, I'm fine on my own, then there is no solution. And so the encouragement to those who walk in spiritual blindness is trust Christ. Receive vision from the Lord because that's the kind of God 
who he is. He wants us to say, I, I have a need, and he will say, it is my pleasure to meet it. Blindness. A second affliction is astigmatism. Okay? You might not know what this is. I will, I will tell you. You're going to learn all kinds of stuff this morning about vision. Maybe. Um, if, you, if you are you know, related to or are an eye doctor, you're like, you're messing it up with these definitions. Maybe. Uh, astigmatism is a type of refractive error. Okay? Think back to uh, algebra and geometry and all kinds of math when you, when you used lenses. Astigmatism is a type of refractive, refractive error in which the eye does not focus light evenly on the retina. And so damage to the lens of your eye, right, the thing that's underneath the pupil, uh, the, the, the lens is not right. And so the light that's coming through it is distorted and isn't landing right on the retina. And so, and so things become blurry. Errors in the lens surface. What kind of errors might we have in the way that we see the world? Prejudice can cloud our vision. Think about what the scriptures say. The Bible splits people into two different races. There are those who have been healed by God brought to him and who trust in his grace and those who do not. There are those who are saved and there are those who are lost. There is believer and unbeliever and the Bible says there is no other kind of person. The book of Galatians says there's no Jew, Greek, male, female, slave or free in Christ. And we might think, well, well you know, being a Christian makes me better than a non-Christian, not true. It just means that, that we have encountered God. He has called us to himself. We have responded, and we then have been given a mission to fix it, to, to fix, to go and to share the gospel with others and to bring them to Christ. Romans 10, 12 says this, There is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. You look at the book of, of Romans, if you're familiar with that, and there is all these amazing and excellent truths about the goodness of God and salvation and the gospel, but woven through the whole thing is the fact that the Greeks and the Jews were at war with each other in that church. And Paul is saying, that should not be. You are all believers. You all have a mission to take the gospel to those who hear it. You are not better than each other. You are not better than anyone out in the world. It's just a matter of whether or not you have experienced God's grace. Prejudice can cloud our vision and enable us as Christians to forget our mission. We are the ambassadors of Jesus. What does Jesus say before he leaves? He appears to them and says to his disciples, and says, peace be with you as the Father sent me. Think about this. This is crazy if it's not actually in the Bible. As the Father has sent me, so I send you as ambassadors of the truth and grace. We may fall into the trap of prejudice, whether it's Racial prejudice, 
you know, of, of the ethnic kind, whether it's class prejudice, I am, I am middle class and you are lower class, or I'm rich and that person's poor, or I'm educated and that person's ignorant. There are all kinds of prejudices that can creep into our mind and separate us from the people who Jesus desires to come to himself. Luke chapter 7, verse 37 says that a woman who was a sinner came into the house where Jesus was eating. He was eating with a bunch of religious people, and they judged her when she came. Verse 37, a woman who was a sinner wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. She is rejoicing and doing anything that she can to show Jesus her affection and appreciation for who he is and what he is doing. Verse 39, you see the astigmatism of the Pharisees. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Listen to what Jesus says to the Pharisee. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? Now he's going to go on to tell a parable. But don't miss the point. When he looked, he didn't see a person. He saw a sinner. Jesus saw a person. A person who was responding to God's grace. A person who was grateful and thankful, and ready, and willing to receive whatever Jesus had for her. And the Pharisee, who considered himself great and religious, missed it. He tells the parable, and then he turns to the woman and says to her, Your sins are forgiven. Jesus expresses the graciousness of God's character and his kindness and offers forgiveness because she is in a place of repentance, but this Pharisee doesn't see God's character or grace or love. So let me ask this question. Are your eyes, let me tell you, I don't preach to people. I preach first to myself and then I share what the Lord has revealed to me. There are times when my eyes are clouded and I do not feel like the humble servant that I'm supposed to be. But I see myself as educated and better than others. When the Lord reveals that something is wrong with the way that we see, when we have clear vision of, of who the Lord is and what he's calling us to do, then we repent and ask him to fix our eyes. Are you better than others in your own view? Or are you consistently working on your vision and, and saying, Lord, I am your humble servant. Help me to see you and your character clearly. Blindness, astigmatism. Third, a cataract. A clouding of the lens in the eye, which leads to a decrease in vision. Self can cloud our vision, right? I don't know about you, but when I wake up every single day, the first thing I think about is something like, I am hungry, I am tired, 
I do not want to go to work. I, 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 me, 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 right? I'm the star of my own life, right? I think things like, why is that kid downstairs fighting with his brother, right? Disturbing my sleep, me. I am the center of the world. I am the most important being, right? And I have to, I have to, to change my setting, and I have to turn the dial that says, you know, me to, you know, what I know I'm supposed to believe and think. Like, oh yes, I am not the star. God is the star, and, and I'm here to serve my family. But I wake up every single day. It's like Groundhog Day. It's the same movie over and over and over and over again. I start with, with me at the center. And so, so the cloudiness means that, that I am me-focused and not others-focused. Romans chapter 12, verse 3, Paul says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, listen, listen to how he began this. Paul falls victim to this blindness, this cataract as well. By the grace given to me. You feel that correctiveness there that comes from the Lord? By the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each one according to the measure of faith that God has assigned, right? This does not mean look to others and say, they are the most important and I hate myself. No, like, you know, you're supposed to like eat food, not dirt and rocks and punish yourself. Like, oh, you know, I can't, I have to hate me, I'm horrible. Right? No, you take care of yourself and take care of others. Think not more highly than you ought to think. Think with sober judgment. Think of, of others as important. Think of yourself as a person who doesn't have it all together. Think of yourself as a person who needs the grace of the Lord. Think of yourself as somebody who, who lacks all the gifts and talent and ability it takes to make life Work, and that's why God has surrounded you with people to love and to care for you and to fill in what you lack. I believe it's William Barclay who said, One who sees themselves as the greatest is incapable of seeing themselves as they are, and they cannot see others as they are. This is true of the one who sees themselves as the greatest, it's also true of one who sees themselves. As the worst. Think about it. If you, are, if you are constantly overwhelmed with how horrible you are and how deficient you are and what a failure you are, how will you be able to say in a particular situation, I can accomplish the mission God has assigned for me right now? Well, you need to think of yourself as you are, complete in Christ, loved by God, capable of, of acting in a significant way because he fills the believer with his spirit. One of my favorite verses in the scriptures is be strong in the Lord. And boy, I forget the rest of the verse and I think it's about being strong, right? But the scripture says be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Identify that, that you need his strength and his ability. And then when, when he is, is in you and he is working, then you are strong and capable. And so 
Take aim at, at pride or insecurity and see God for who he is, a loving, caring father who fills you with what you need in Christ that you can accomplish his will. There's a, there's a partnership going on there. He's the majority partner, right? He supplies all the power and all the grace and all the ability and all the opportunities. But he lies them at our feet and says, walk in my way. Live as I've called you to. And so having a clear vision of God in this sense clears up this cloudiness. So we've got, we've got complete vision loss and blindness. We've got astigmatism. We've got cataract. How about nearsightedness? This is also known as myopia, which I believe is a Latin word. A condition of the eye where light focuses too, too early, not on the retina at the back of the eye, but like somewhere somewhere in the, in the front of the eye. I wish I had a giant eye chart. I should have brought a big eyeball, right? Man, missed opportunity. The light focuses in front of and not on the retina. This means that the distant objects are blurry while close objects appear normal. I have this, and I've got, uh, I've got both near and far-sightedness. I'm all messed up. Um, when we cannot see the burning glory of God, when we fail to see the relentless tenderness of Jesus, when we fail to see the empowering presence of the Spirit, and we don't see ourselves as, as commissioned, sent believers under the command of God, we focus instead on what's directly in front of us. We begin to see ourselves as the focus and purpose of our lives. Lord Jesus Please, today, I want a parking spot close to the food store. Failure. Where is God when I need him? Why isn't anything working right? You know, we, we just get in this sense of, of, of what have you done for me lately? You know, like Janet Jackson sang in the 80s. Where are you? I need you. And when we suffer, then we get frustrated and we say, it's not working. There shouldn't be any struggle. All the, all the details of my life should work out without pain or complication. Paul experienced this in his life. He had what he called a thorn in the flesh given to him to afflict him. Given to him by God. This is a man who, who was completely sold out to God, completely uh, serving and honoring God, and the Lord gave him a kind of suffering. We're not sure what it is. I think that's there by design so that you would identify your weakness, whatever it is, whether it's physical, spiritual, whether it's a temptation, whether it's a, something that comes from your family of origin, whether it's whatever it is, you would say, oh, Paul knows what this is like. What did Paul do? He prayed three times, God, take this from me. Take this. Take this. And what did God say back to him? My Grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. He's saying, Paul, if I take this from you, you know what you don't need anymore? You don't need me. You don't need me. Suddenly, you're completely sufficient. You're like, I, Paul, have done this. Not I, Paul, did this in the strength of the Lord. So Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. We need to, to, to correct our lenses so that we can see the goal and the plan and the purpose of God. 
when difficulty comes and, and, and we have a tendency to fall apart, it's important to put our corrective lenses back on and to say, the Lord is at, at work and his purposes are not frustrated by this present pain. He has a plan. Think about the overall grand plan and design of God. Do we have to suffer in order to obtain salvation from God? Do, do we have to endure physical pain and difficulty in order to receive God's grace? The answer is no. Jesus paid it all, right? He, he went to the cross and he accomplished salvation for us. But then Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Those who are in Christ are commissioned and sent on a mission. Not a mission to find the perfect parking spot through the grace of God. Does that make sense? Not, not to, you know, now, now the Lord may come through for you and groceries may magically be half off this coming week. Like that may happen and you should be like, praise God. But when, when you're like, I don't know how I'm going to feed my family and you're praying and you're depending, that's not evidence that, that God isn't there. That's not the purpose of God in our lives, to just make life perfect and easy. No, once we are believers, we are called and commissioned with a mission to be sent one, sent by Jesus as the Father sent Jesus to advance God's mission, to make Jesus' name known throughout the world and to make disciples, to love God by loving others. And so we need to wipe the crud off of our lenses so that we see our life and our missions, our mission through, through, through a frame, right? Not, not like a picture frame, like this is what I want my life to look like. It should be perfect. More, more like the frame of, of, of your glasses, right? Where everything's constantly changing in front of you. Things are, things are moving around and you have to react to it. Oh, there's a dog in front of me. Like if I continue to walk, I will step on the dog. We all do this all day. He just, he can't get it. It's like, get out of the way. He'll like, Nancy will be standing at the sink washing a dish and she'll step back and like be at risk of losing her life because the dog is taking a nap at her feet. You know, she's like stepping on the dog. He's, yeah, anyway, um, we love him despite his limitations. There's a kid running into the street, right? You know, I need, to, I need to step on the brakes. My phone is buzzing. Don't pay attention because I'll take my eyes off of what's going on. There, there are red brake lights in front of me. I need, to, I need to stop. There are green traffic lights I can go. The speed limit is 70 miles an hour here. Praise the Lord. Put the pedal down and go, right? What we see is constantly changing, and we need to have clear vision so that we can stay on mission despite what's going on in front of us. But we have to have a vision of the Lord so that when, when things don't go precisely as planned or precisely as we, we desire, that we don't fall apart and say, where is God? No, we are called to press forward through difficulty with a vision for what God has for us. We have been given a mission to share the love of God with others, to share his mission, to share his, his care and his heart and his tenderness. We need to make sure that our, our own vision isn't impaired. Finally, farsightedness, also called hyperopia. I love Wikipedia because I get to say fancy words. 
<laughs> a condition of the eye in which light is focused behind instead of on the retina. This causes objects to be close objects to be blurry while far objects may appear normal. Right? So so we we've got we we understand holiness, right? Like that, that, that God's people are called to be a kingdom of priests, that one day Jesus will come and he will, he will take away the, uh, he, he, will, he will take the church to be with himself and there'll be a new city and there'll be, there'll be no sinful people around, right? You know, it's funny because uh, the last election, evangelicals were like, oh yeah, this guy, definitely the Antichrist, right? But all that talk has vanished with this new president, right? And then now we're like, the evangelicals are like, he's, he's, he's great. You know, he's the man of God sent to us. It's kind of like, hey, maybe he's just the president and needs our prayers, right? You know, just like the last guy did, just like the next guy did, whatever political party he's in. We're so far-sighted that what we're constantly thinking is, oh, this is the end. Jesus is coming right now, right? It's the end. Instead of thinking, what's right in front of me? People that I need to care for and love and share the gospel with. Uh, the image given in the scriptures where, where, where Jesus says, behold, your redemption draws nigh. In my mind is the image of, of a man who has been given a task of farming in a field, of sowing seed and sharing the gospel. And the image I get is that he is hard at work and he hears that the Lord is coming, that, that it is the end, and he is working, 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 and he hears the announcement and then he turns and looks. He's not just like standing in the field with a bag of seed here and all of his farming implements saying, when is the Lord coming back? No, he, he can see what's right in front of him, the need to accomplish good, gracious, Jesus-exalting, love-sharing gospel work. Amen. And so what we need to do as believers so often is to correct our judgments of others. To see people not, not as, as, as a group that we say, oh, these people are definitely lost and these people are definitely saved. These are the good guys and these are the bad guys. No, what we do is we say, they are in need. And we need to, to get over ourselves enough that we will put ourselves in a position where we will love them and share with them. Can I pray for you? Right? Is a way of starting that conversation in the life of another. Can I, can I pray for you? William Barclay says that the, the tragedy, though, is that every day... In life, the reputations of perfectly innocent people are murdered over the teacups by gossiping groups whose judgments are dipped in poison. Right? We're, we're concerned with, we look at the people around us and we say, these people are good and those people are bad, instead of saying, they're all in need. We need to serve them in an appropriate way. So we need to correct our judgments of others and we need to be generous in our actions. 1 John 4.20 says, If anyone says, I love God, and yet they hate their brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. We ought to, to, to shed the, 
the blindness, the difficulty that's obscuring seeing people in need right in front of us. To see, to see the mission of God in the present in, in January of 2017 and say, I am called to love these people who are right in front of us. And when we say, I need to, I need to not worry about my personal prejudice of them. And I just need to say, I need to see them with God's heart and I need to share and be kind to them. When we are moved by compassion, when we, when we see as the Father sees, when we love as the Father loves, when we sacrifice as Jesus sacrificed and we seek to, to care, we act as God acts and we flood our eyes with light. The eye is the lamp of the body, Jesus says. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light in you is darkness, how great the darkness. If, um, if the word has accomplished its purpose, everybody has gotten hit by some kind of Bible bullet. Right? You're, you're, you're thinking, okay. I need to adjust in this way or in that way. I need to, I need to repent and I need to come to Christ or I need to, I need to scroll back my judgments of others that I, I could reach out and serve or I need to not be so obsessed and focused on me and be, be more focused on the mission of God or I need to not fall apart every time something goes wrong and I need to fight through it to, to acknowledge I need to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. There's no parking brake in the Christian life. We are either rolling forward or rolling backward. So the encouragement this morning is to act on what the Lord is saying to you. What is, what is he speaking to your heart? How is he calling you to act in response to his word? Let's pray. Let's sing a closing song together. Father, thank you for your kindness and grace that's ours in Jesus. Father, each and every day, we wake up with, with cloudy vision. We wake up having forgotten that we are your children. We wake up forgetting that we are ambassadors sent on a mission. We, we wake up and we think, I am the answer to my problems. My power will accomplish the solutions that I need. Father, we pray that, that a vision of you would drive us to proper action. That, that a, a vision of your love and care and concern for us would humble us and, and urge us to repent. Urge us to take up the, the burden that, that you've called us to bear, to be servants and to share the gospel. Father, we pray that you would, you would cultivate hearts of love and care that we would see with your eyes and that we would be moved to accomplish the mission that you are accomplishing through us. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. Who could, who could stand without his grace? Who could, who could even hear a single word that's said of what we are called to do without completely falling apart if it weren't for Jesus? We thank you for him. We thank you for the grace that comes from him, which is ours. We pray that you would speak to us and shape us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing this closing song together.